Welcome to Bat Therapy, the psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. So this week, we're pretty much continuing our topic from last time to stay in the halloween mood. It's uh, a sequel. Sequel, yes. We're going to talk about Glass. So last time we talked about Split from the Unbreakable series. And lo and behold, they had another mental health provider in the sequel. A psychiatrist, your favorite. I like psychiatrists. Don't get me in trouble with all the psychiatrists I know. I just think it's kind of strange how <laughs> everyone seems to choose psychiatrists to do therapy and all this stuff. Like, psychologists exist too, guys. Come on. You know, I think what it is, I think it's just that in Hollywood, it might be one of those things where it's like, oh, if I say the word psychiatrist, people instantly know. Maybe, yeah. It's weird because I feel like the word psych, when you say the word psychiatrist, because that implies a doctorate in there, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like they might use it because it sounds more professional than a psychologist because there's so many psychologists. Like, what are you giving no, me an inferiority complex? You didn't, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> I was going to say because there's so many like psychology undergrads out there. That are going around being like, I'm a psychologist. And it's like, you're learning about psychology. So one of one of Bill's favorite things is to watch my reaction when you're like watching a show or something. And uh, we're watching The Mole right now. And, you know, that show. Do you know what I'm talking about? The show? Uh, wait, what's it called? Mole Rat? The Mole. So the mole. It, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that people one. Okay, trying yeah. to win money, and, and there's a mole in there who's actually yes. working against them. And and there's every now and then shows will have someone who, yeah, they 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 think that they understand people to this like huge degree because, oh, I'll have an undergraduate in psychology. You learn a lot of stuff, I'll give you, but... Um, yeah, it is. It is kind of fun. There's a lot of psychology people out there, I suppose. So, okay, fine. We'll we'll give it yeah, to the psychiatrist. I think that's what it is. And also, mm -hmm. those of you out there that are majoring in psychology right now for undergrad, you keep up the good work. Yes, I am not bashing your field. major. I'm not bashing your major. I'm just saying, it's it's a lot of y'all. And there's a lot of us. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of y'all. So I think that's what it is. I think it's just, they say psychiatry and they're like, they don't have to explain anything. I guess. But when I tell people I'm a psychologist, they seem to understand pretty quickly what that might mean. Because they go, oh. Well, that oh could mean so many different things. It usually means, how far are you looking inside my soul? Oh. It's like being audited by the IRS, but only in mind. It's like, oh no, oh no, they're gonna, she's gonna know all of my websites that I frequent. It's gonna be horrible. She's gonna just figure it out while I'm eating this ham sandwich. So anyway, yeah, we're yeah. talking about uh, Dr. Ellie Staple, who is a psychiatrist, as as we've been ragging on. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, so, this movie, and we'll get into it more later on, it gave me a phobia that I did not know I had. <laughs> Spoiler uh, it alert. It was a, Spoiler a alert. new fear. Because, alright, so we start we start the movie off and basically one of the in the first arc everyone's caught like mr glass has been in jail for like 15 years now right mm-hmm. ever since so this is samuel l jackson for anybody who it's been a while since you've seen the movies oh yeah also if you haven't seen unbreakable or split yet turn this episode off go watch those but download this episode so that you can go back and listen to it you should really see all those movies they're very good movies all three of them are but yeah if you haven't seen them yet it's gonna be kind of weird but yeah samuel jackson's character mr glass and he in the movie is funny is at one point he goes first name mr last name glass and i was like that didn't sound as cool as i feel like he wanted it to but <laughs> but samuel jackson made it cool right as he always does yeah but yeah he's locked up and then david dunn from unbreakable has been just out here in his green parka just running around helping people and he he meets up with kevin wendell crumb as the beast and they fight it out and then they get locked up in the same mental institution is mm-hmm. that a proper phrase mental institution is that okay so they i think it's a psychiatric hospital yeah uh at, at one point they call it a psychiatric research hospital but the sign i don't think includes research and i don't know of any hospitals being purely research so <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I would you know it's a, it's a psychiatric hospital it's a psychiatric facility yeah yeah so all three of them are locked up in here and dr ellie staples whole thing is she is a doctor that specializes in treating people that think they have superpowers, which sounds like a very mm-hmm. like a, a very small group. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she she does use the right term. So she so she talks about she specializes in delusions of grandeur, specifically people who believe they are superheroes, and and so there are. I mean, I don't usually go around defining different types of delusions or essentially these tend to be odd beliefs that are stuck. They're not really flexible to information out there. And obviously this is true of all of us as humans, but kind of taking things to the extreme. And so you might have someone who uh, thinks they're Jesus Christ, for example, or uh, some other famous figure or well-known figure um, or they might believe that they're in charge of something great. And so uh, the the terms used, yeah, make make sense, but you're right. I mean, she would be like a very hyper-focused specialty here. Yeah. I mean, she's only got these three people to work with, essentially. And well, and on top of that, it's like, oh, I specialize in people who think they're superheroes. Um, well, then should Mr. Glass be one of your patients because he simply believes in the existence of them. He knows that he's not a superhero. Like, well, he believes he's a supervillain. Okay, yes, that's true. So she needs that's to true. expand her supers a little bit, I guess. I, I feel like in the world of superheroes, though, it's way easier to be a supervillain than it is to be a superhero. Like, a superhero mm. is like, man, you heroically, you're just saving dozens and dozens of people at the time right a super villain you only have to do one really bad deed and you've made you make the cut right like it's not 
you don't have to be a repeat offender. You can just do one really bad thing, and it's like, well, yeah, he's in there, yeah, right? I suppose that's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so tell people about your your new your new phobia. Oh God. Okay. So her whole idea is convincing these people they're not actually superheroes. And basically, because we've seen these characters and know there is something supernatural to their abilities, she's gaslighting them. And there's nothing more ter- There's something extremely terrifying about a therapist that is gaslighting you. Like, I cannot yeah. I- imagine how horrible that would be. Like, I go in... My mind's already in a bad place. I sit down to talk to the therapist and they're just, they're like, yeah, none of this is real. Yeah. You're completely off the deep end, even though you're, you know, you're, you, this is the wrong phrase for it. Even though you're not crazy, you're mm-hmm. not in, you're not insane. You're, you're not psychotic. You actually do have these things going on and they're just there to like shaking their head. No, at you like, nope, that's not, a thing and i yeah. when yeah. i rewatched this movie i was like jesus christ that would be such a horrible place to be in like you're breaking down everything you're going through to a therapist or psychologist or a psychiatrist in this mm-hmm. case and they're just like yeah no you're not nah, none of that none of that's a thing yeah yeah you know there was a quote in there and i didn't write down who said it because apparently I'm stupid, but <laughs> uh, there what? was a quote. <laughs> there was a quote that that I thought coined that really well, and and is also something really important to just I think consider when you're providing treatment, um, but also just generally in life. the The quote is everything ex- extraordinary can be explained away, and yet it is still true. I loved that quote. Right? I think it's um. I think it's Mr. I think it's Mr. Glass that says it? it. I couldn't remember. Yeah, I didn't write it down. I wrote I, I wrote say the quote it's him down. That says it. It's it's such a wonderful quote because I mean, it it hits on so many different things. It hits on why we can look at some like you were saying, okay, you're not you don't even have psychosis. Well, you know, if you have psychosis, you might kind of see it in this way of, hey, Something can be extraordinary and people have a hard, you know, how do you tell the difference between what's real and what's not real? Perception is, is is actually a fairly fragile thing. It's why when something skirts against our sense of reality, we dig our heels in. And it's right. You know, it's also why when people don't fit inside our boxes, we, we fight against it. We try and shove them into those boxes that we understand and, you know, it, it, it's led to some extraordinary people being treated really, really poorly. Um, yeah, we're, we're comfortable with with the known. You know, yeah, that just reminds me, there was one time I had a uh, a student and they were entering into like a national contest and they were like, I don't know why I'm entering. I'm not going to mm-hmm. win. And I'm like, I mean, you could. And they're like, oh, but there's so many people entering. Like, what are the chances I'm going to win? And I'm like, you know, it could happen. I was like, the very first race you won, you had 100 million to one odds. And here you are. Right. And so it's but it made me think of that when I heard that quote, because Mm -hmm. I, I just this movie had like a couple things that just stick with you. And it's like, Oh wow. I really like that because Mr. Glass is not a good person <laughs> at 
all. It's it's so intriguing though because he's not a good person, but the reason for it is he really wants superheroes to be around. But because he really wants superheroes, he also then wants supervillains because he right. recognizes just how one gr- grows the other into existence. Yeah. Yeah, he like and he essentially made both of them. And and so yeah. he's he's really digging his digging his feet in. And one of the really cool things is you find out over the past like so many years, he's been pretending to take his medication and mm. not really taking it and just putting on this act. And that was what that was one of the things that I was going to ask you about. Oh jeez. <laughs> because when you're dealing with patients and they're seemingly just telling everything and talking to you about things, how do you see through the BS, if you will, right? Yeah, like, because yeah, how yeah. many times is someone telling you something? It's like, I don't think you're telling the truth. Because I feel like we might have brought it up last week in when we were talking about Split, how she immediately noticed that Kevin, oh, right, yeah. like, that like the one of the other personalities was pretending yeah. to be someone else right yep so and, and and i i know that this is where you're coming from but just to make sure everybody who might be listening is also on the same page this is not a i have a mental health condition specific kind of thing and therefore i'm cagey or a liar it is the human condition that we are not we're, we're usually not naturally inclined to be telling the whole truth about everything for a variety of different reasons there can be a lot of different motivators some of them are manipulative and cagey and cruel and then other ones are self-protective or you know because of fear or embarrassment or other things there's a a whole variety of reasons Um, and sometimes we don't even realize we're not telling the truth Uh, so like we were talking about before I mean your perceptions of reality this movie does a really good job of just showing even you as someone watching can say, okay, well, she's saying all of these things about how you could see this from a different angle where maybe these are extraordinary feats, but not necessarily superhuman. And it, it, it just, it, it's amazing just how things can kind of morph. So um, yeah, so in general, okay, how do I kind of look at that? It's funny because when I was in training, you do an internship year when you become a clinical psychologist to kind of round things out. And I remember one of the things that I told a supervisor there was, I need help making sure that I I don't just believe everything someone's telling me. Yeah. <laughs> I tend I, I I tended to be someone who took people at their word and um, just kind of took that as a hundred percent, and and that wasn't meant maliciously. It wasn't. I know people are lying to me. I need to catch it. But you're actually not completely helping someone if you're not helping them breach those uncomfortable truths that they may be aware of, but are holding back, or they might not even be aware of, and and you're helping to bring to the surface. Um, so there, you know. There, it can be small things, you know, a person kind of fudging why they're late to appointments. Um, it can be bigger things. It, it can be someone completely creating a, a story um, or an event that didn't happen or happened a completely different way. So what do I look for? I think, you know, I, I think some of the things are just kind of just like anyone would do, inconsistencies, things that don't quite add up to two plus two equals four, you know? Yeah. 
Um, so for example, one of the little ones where it's kind of running late, oh, you know, I was running late today. I kind of, things were all over the place, but they've been late every single week. It's like, okay. Well, right. It's like, are, your all. life, is your life all over the place? Because. Which by wish, the way, yeah. is important to talk about. And yeah. so I, I think a lot of times we think of, um, bringing the truth out as, uh, oh, you're catching someone or, oh, you know, punishment or in yeah. therapy, it's more about, hey, I I want to throw something out to you. Here's here's one thing that came up over here that you mentioned, and here's this other thing. And I don't know, it just kind of struck me that they don't really kind of line up together. What are your thoughts? It's not, it's not I'm catching you and you're getting in trouble. It's more of a hey, it seems like we're missing some information here. Let's let's explore this a little bit more and and see if there's something there. So, yeah, just looking for those kind of oddities or things that don't line up over time. I've had that conversation so many times with students. Oh, I bet, Where yeah. they have whatever excuse for not turning something in. Uh-huh. And I simply want to have a conversation with them about it. And they instantly yep. are like, is this an interrogation? What's happening here? And I'm like, I just want to help you plan better. Like, yep. I just... Yeah. I just want to make sure you're, you're everything's okay, but mm-hmm. like he's trying to he's trying to catch me lying. You know what? I took a picture of my dead pet. Here he is. Oh God! And this that has happened. It Sad. was weird. I know. I know. I was like, no, I completely believe that you lost your 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 pet. I just want to make sure you're okay and let's figure some things out here. Mm-hmm. But they ended up telling me they had had very bad experiences in the past with teachers. Mm-hmm not believing them and i'm like i don't really i mean if you're turning in a paper a day late if you learn the information that's really what i'm concerned with hey i've i've had times where i told people and this this can't you have to pick your timing right and and i totally agree that as a teacher you'd have some very similar parallels in what you do i've had times where i've literally told someone like you know i can tell there's a lot going on i just don't believe you or yeah. You you and I both know that's BS. We we know what you're saying is bullshit, right? And and you have to have it has the timing has to be right. Your approach has to be right based on, you know, my personality, the therapist, my relationship with them, how they tend to hear things. Some people need some humor, some people need it just straight to the point. Um, you know, there there's a lot of variability in how you can deliver the message, but it exactly that where a lot of times I think people um it's kind of the layers you get these layers of of things that aren't quite the truth and and if you can't get to really the truth underneath it all then you're 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 just working off of all these have truths and and things aren't going to line up right so a lot of times if if things aren't going the direction they need to go it's a sign that okay we haven't really gotten to the true core of something and so we gotta we gotta break things up a little bit and, and see, hey, is is your perception or my perception or we're we're not we're not getting to the core truths of something. And that's what made this movie so interesting because throughout you're thinking it's Dr. Ellie Staples that's trying to get to the core and yep. find the truth. Mm-hmm. When in reality it's oh. been Mr. Glass this entire time trying to get to the bottom of things. Yep. And yep. find the truth because something else is at play. And I just, the way that it's executed is 
such a a brain scramble it's 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 Mm -hmm. a lot of it's a lot of fun the way they do it and the interesting thing is is some of the reasoning behind their very opposing sides is the same so just like we were talking earlier about how mr glass he really wants superheroes and therefore he really wants supervillains um, so she, he wants these super people to exist. Well, on the flip side, you have Dr. Staple, who actually says to Bruce Willis's character, the overseer, and I forget what his common name is, but... Um, David Dunn. Thank you, David Dunn. She actually apologizes to him at the end as he's, like, dying. So thanks for the, all the help, lady. But still. I'm so mad. She apologizes to him. And essentially she says, I don't have problems with you. But when you exist, essentially your his counterbalance also exists. And so the, the, the very same kind of underpinnings of when you have superheroes, you have supervillains, draws her to some very different motivations and actions compared to Dr. or Mr. Glass, which I find really interesting. Well, and that was one thing, too, that made it all the more interesting as well. She went to them and, and told them all as they were dying, you're not crazy. You're absolutely right. Yeah. This does exist. Like she even tells Mr. Glass, she's like, I want you to die knowing that you were absolutely right. Yeah. About all of this. Because she thought that she had foiled his plan. Yep. <sighs> yeah. She it'd be interesting living in her shoes. Because it it seemed like she was both proud of what she was doing or felt it was necessary. And at the same time, there was no reason to it didn't seem like she was maliciously telling them, hey, you were right. It seemed like she was trying to comfort them. Right. And right, yeah, and that's exactly what it was. She, like, she she comforted them at the end. Like, she did. Like, she actually, I mean, very sincerely lets them know, like, yeah, we're going to kill you, but here's the reason why. You're yeah. not crazy. All of these things do exist. Deuces. Deuces. And, Part of that makes it even worse because it's like Mm. you can just, as someone's dying, just tell them this the way that you say, "Hey, that'll be eight ninety nine for that chicken McNugget, right?" Like it's just like how how often is she going around doing this? And it what's even stranger about it is throughout the movie she was feeding into the fact that they had superpowers while at the same time saying they didn't because she had all of their rooms built specifically to counteract their powers. David Dunn's room was full of water hoses to spray him. Now, now with his at least, she 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 claims that it's essentially to try and help him overcome his fear of water, essentially a really terrible flooding yeah. experience. So flooding is essentially in, in order to get over a phobia <laughs> which Keaton, I'm not necessarily suggesting for your new phobia that you gained from this movie, but in order to get over a phobia or an anxiety, really the be- the best thing to do is to face it. And uh, so, let's say you have a fear of heights. Well, you know, going and doing stuff where you deal with heights. And so there are kind of two routes you can go. One, <laughs> Keaton's shaking his head. <laughs> so one way is you can kind of do a stepwise or gradual gradual exposures, graduated exposures where uh, you do it one step at a time. Okay, what what's kind of a first step to get me there? You might just look at pictures or videos of, of heights, or you might picture yourself in a place with heights versus going to the highest peak of whatever. 
Uh, flooding would be just go straight to that highest peak and you stay there until you feel okay. Um, so she's essentially trying to flood out of him, or she claims. She claims she's trying to flood him with this so he's no longer afraid of the water, no longer has this kind of misconception. And essentially flooding for the kind of fear and and essentially reality testing. Hey, look, you're still fine. Uh, you're, you're responding to water like uh, you would expect a person to. When in reality... She is actually trying to keep his superpowers at bay. So, yes, you're right. They do set up the rooms. But, man, she's tricky about her explanations for it. Yeah. And it's so weird. Like, they, like they, she does all of her work in this bright pink room. And, like, everything <laughs> in the room is just this solid color. And I don't know if that was just something where it was, like, just for the movie or, I mean, there was a very D- Dolores Umbridge feel. <laughs> to that pink room i was like i don't like this at all the thing is with with her she's essentially working for a super secret evil organization Mm -hmm. that just and that just goes around keeping under wraps that there are people with super abilities and it it makes you think about like wow like it, it it's it's really one of those movies where it makes you think about oh wow what conspiracies are out there that are like genuine that we don't really know about. And I thought about that for about five seconds before I thought about how horrible it is that someone could be sitting down with a therapist that's there to help them. That's just gaslighting them the entire time. And, and, you know, an unfortunate thing is that therapists are people too. I mean, that, that part's not unfortunate, but, but what, what I mean with that is, you know what? There are I've I've worked with people or I've had friends or or people who talk to me about having a therapist that they they said um I told them about abuse that happened and they didn't believe me or um just having the sense of you know I would talk to them and they just didn't really seem to um, believe my point of view or or empathize with my point of view and 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 things that obviously are not to this extent where you're actively manipulating someone but there are these experiences people have that kind of touch on this this gaslighting component whether a therapist is is meaning it purposefully or not and un- unfortunately it does happen there are times where people aren't believed and you know what what they're talking about is true um it happens a lot of I mean, it can happen for anybody, but some of the things that that seem to make it a little bit more difficult to connect with a therapist, and there might be more of this potential is let's come back to psychosis. So if you have someone who, I like to a lot of times think of delusions when it comes to psychosis, like you have a puzzle and you're putting this puzzle together. And at a certain point, our minds will just naturally start filling in the picture of the puzzle. And your mind might not be entirely right. And as you fill it in, it corrects its image for for what the puzzle is. Well, I, I kind of like to explain, you know, when someone has delusions or these like odds fixed beliefs, their brain fills in the puzzle picture a lot faster before they have enough puzzle pieces to really kind of nail down the picture. And when you add more puzzle pieces, the brain's not able to adjust the picture. It's stuck with what it first had, what it first came up with. And and so when you're working with someone like this, sometimes, unfortunately, providers might start not believing things that are true. So they might have trouble knowing, okay, when when is the, this a belief that 
uh, lines up with uh, reality versus when is the psychosis. Um, other times is when someone might have a lot of extreme emotions that happen for them when they have trouble with just really, really intense feelings of emotion they have trouble controlling. Um, uh, a lot of times those folks might also have times where their their providers, they, they struggle to find a provider that seems to really be able to, to relate and, and see reality um, that, that they're experiencing. They're, they're just some unfortunate times where um, I think more therapists can really struggle to relate. And unfortunately, what can happen is something unfortunate that kind of gets touched on similar to this, but obviously, obviously this movie's way more in the extreme. Right. Gosh, I just, I am just, I need to watch it again. Because the very <laughs> first time I saw this movie, when they killed off David Dunn's character, I checked out of the rest of the movie. I'm like, I don't mm. care what the point is. I don't care about the plot. I'm angry. You killed off the good guy. And I hate movies that kill off the good guy. Like, I, that was the attitude I had with it. When I watched it the second time, I was amazed. Like, I knew, I mm. knew what was, I knew, like, what was coming and that was going to suck. But then when I took it all in as a whole i was like man that was actually really beautiful how this all went i had a mindful moment mm, you, you accepted the reality of what the movie was going to bring you and yes. you were able to take in something new from that yes absolutely do we have a mindful nerd moment for today of course of course we do um i actually uh, I, I came up with this before you let me know about your, your phobia, your new phobia that you have formed. Um, so I was actually thinking that we could focus in on David Dunn or the overseer, Bruce Willis's character for anyone who needs help with, okay, who played what character. Um, and, and I was just picturing what this experience would be like for him. So him in particular, I mean, it, the same happens for, uh, the, the beast and the, um, uh, I don't know what to call it. Kevin, it, it, essentially our, our person that has a uh, dissociative identity disorder and kind of which personality is at play depends on the timing. But, um, so they also start questioning, but really David Dunn seems to be the one they hone in on really starting to change his beliefs about himself because of Dr. Ellie Staple. And so I was thinking about, you know, what could you do for uh, David Dunn in these circumstances when, I mean, I would just imagine, first off, it took a lot for him to take on this persona. Watch Unbreakable. It's so good. <laughs> so Unbreakable hits on just how much it takes for him to truly take on this persona. And then 15 and such years later, here he is being asked to question all that again. And I was just thinking about how off balance you could become with all of this going on. And so I wanted to come up with a mindful nerd moment that when, when we are having to face questioning our reality and what is real, what is not real, it can be so disorienting. So disorienting. It's important to explore those things. Life is not black and white. We need to be able to explore those things, but we also need to be able to, you know, put one foot in front of the other, have, have some semblance of a foundation under us. The, the instability that can come from these questions can just be a lot. 
So I wanted us to do some progressive muscle relaxation, which I can't remember if we've done any of that before. Um, so what I, what I essentially wanted to do was say, okay, there's a lot of these unknowns happening. You're, you're probably just feeling all over the place. What's something that feels more physically concrete that you can connect to? And so I wanted to do something that kind of hits on the body and feeling more connected to your physical body that might help reduce some of that just disorientation that might happen with all this questioning going on. So that's what I was kind of picturing here. So as we have been doing, um, I will ask you if you're comfortable, close your eyes. If not, you can just soften your gaze, not looking at anything in particular. And before we go into this scene, so once again, we're going to be pretending we're David Dunn or um, Bruce Willis's character. And, you know, let's say that Dr. Ellie Staple, we're sitting with her in her office, Dr. Ellie Staple in her pink, pink office that Keen's a fan of. Um, and uh, we're going to be practicing this exercise together. But first, let's just take a few breaths. Uh, not worrying about breathing in any particular way, just using your breath to kind of focus in. And as you're breathing, put yourself into David Dunn's shoes so to speak. Pretend you're David Dunn. You're sitting in Dr. Ellie Staple's pink office, and she's been talking to you about different factors to question what you thought was real all these 15 years. It took so much for you to accept the fact that you have these extreme invulnerabilities, except with water, um, that you're able to do all of these incredible feats, and you're just, you're getting really overwhelmed. And, and honestly, you're starting to not know which way's up. And so what you do is you're still sitting in the room with her, but you just take a moment to check in with yourself internally. And first what you do is you, you tense up, you, you crunch up your toes, curl your toes up with your feet, tense them up a little bit, enough to just feel that tension, not, not enough to hurt yourself. And then release that tension. Noticing that difference between the curling up the toes and release. And then just subtly, you know, you're not trying to pull attention from Dr. Staple, but you hold some tension, you kind of flex your calves. Feel some, some tension in the, the lower parts of your legs. And then release that. Notice what that feels like. And then once again, just small little movements. You tense up your thighs, your legs, kind of tensing them together a bit, noticing that tension and then releasing it, noticing those physical differences. Then you tense up your, your chest, squeezing your stomach a bit, just feeling that tension in, in the, the core, the torso of your body, and then releasing it, noticing that shift in tension. And then you take your arms and you just stretch them slowly, not in any way that Dr. Ellie Staple's going to worry too much about, but kind of in a little stretch, reaching your hands out in front, moving your, your head around on your neck, just kind of allowing yourself to tense up your arms and your shoulders and, and your neck a little bit, moving things around, and then releasing that and noticing that difference in tension. 
And then just sit with that for a moment. And just feeling that groundedness of being connected to your physical body, that tension release that you've had. And you take a deep breath, breathing in, breathing out, and you continue your conversation with Dr. Staple. So now that we've done this exercise with with David Dunn, we're going to shift back to who we are in the podcast. So first, though, just kind of do another kind of movement with your body. Wherever wherever feels good, you can do a little bit of tense and release, just like we were doing before, but this time you're shifting back into you. You're no longer Bruce Willis. I'm sorry. And uh, when you're ready, you can open your eyes, and we will finish the podcast. How was the progressive muscle relaxation? I liked it. Uh, one of the things I it made me immediately think about, it made me go back through all of the different mindfulness exercises that we've mm-hmm. done and how I feel like each one of them always focuses on a specific sense. Mm-hmm. And this one was more about touch than the others. And so I really, I really like that because with the movie Glass, it's one of those things where you're constantly, it feels like you're constantly dealing with somebody that does not have control of all of their senses, mm. but definitely has control of some of them. And yeah. and so it's really cool that mindfulness, you can kind of decide like what you want to hyper-focus on yeah. in the mm-hmm. event that you may not have one of your other senses. You know, it's a very good point. And, um, you know, the different senses can pull for different things. And some people might prefer some to others. I really like touch and the physical movement and things like that. Uh, other people might prefer uh, using their imagination or they might like enjoy sight or maybe you have someone who really connects with taste or yeah, you're, you're so right. The different senses and how to connect to those and, and just kind of figure out how, how to have control over what, what you're focusing on and how you focus on it. Yeah. I had a quote from the movie that I really, really liked. And I guess we can close this out. Elijah Price, a.k.a. Mr. Glass, says, I believe that if everyone sees what just a few people become when they wholly embrace their gifts, others will awaken. Mm -hmm. Belief in oneself is contagious. Oh, that's beautiful. Right? I love that. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown. Find me on social media at Crafting the Mind. And I'm comic enthusiast and professional nerd Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJBS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. See you next week. Same Bat time, same Bat channel. <laughs>